you have single-handedly changed our family because of mastermind because i felt safe enough and realized with your help realized that it's not just about the picking up of the toys and the back talk and the productive conversation scripts it's not about that it's about healing myself and becoming a better version of myself and showing up and being able to be that way for my entire family I really credit you with doing something that I literally have not been able to do with countless therapists and all the journaling and all the thinking and all the meditating and all the things. It was because of you. So thank you for helping heal what I thought was unhealable. My name is Randy Rubenstein, and welcome to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast. At Mastermind Parenting, we're on a mission to support strong-willed kids and the families that love them. You're listening to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast with Randy Rubenstein, and welcome to the show. Hi, guys. How are you this week? I wanted to talk with you about an article that my husband actually sent to me from our local newspaper, the Houston Chronicle, a while back, and I was saving it for a podcast episode because I thought it was interesting and I thought it was something that relates to strong-willed kids and what you guys are probably all listening to the podcast (laughs) concerned about, which is if you have a kid that is showing up with behaviors that aren't ideal, right? Aren't ideal. I like to say these kids are strong-willed. Lots of people use different terms. Sometimes these kids are spicy. I like that term, spicy. That's something that a lady who was giving me a facial, I've been getting, if you're watching the video, how does my skin look? I've been getting regular facials for like a year. And I love a standing appointment. Do you guys love a standing appointment? I forget. Like, I forget to color my hair. I forget to get facials. I forget all the things. Botox. I always have to book a standing appointment because otherwise I lose track of time. Maybe it's just a sign that I'm getting old, 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 old. Um, Anyway, the facialist, sometimes she does peels on me and that's what she says. This one's going to be a little spicy. And I was like, hmm. What a good adjective. It did feel a little spicy. And I think sometimes our kids that present with strong will behavior are a little spicy. I've also heard people refer to them as deeply feeling kids, highly sensitive kids, contrarian kids, kids that are constantly arguing, it seems like, just for the sake of arguing. Anyway, these kids that we're worried about. And so I want to read a little bit of this article and then I'm just going to kind of riff and share some of my thoughts and hopefully it will be interesting to you and get you guys thinking about this topic. So it says the article was titled study psychiatric ERs used to subdue kids for emergency room doctors. They are a dispiriting and familiar sight, children who return again and again in the grip of mental health crises brought in by caregivers who are frightened or overwhelmed. 
Much has been written about the surge in pediatric mental health emergency visits in recent years as rates of depression and suicidal behavior among teens surge. Patients often spend days or weeks in exam rooms waiting for a rare psychiatric bed to open up, sharply reducing hospital capacity. But a large study published Tuesday found a surprising trend among adolescents who repeatedly visited the hospital. The patients most likely to reappear in emergency rooms were not patients who harmed themselves, but rather those whose agitation and aggressive behavior proved too much for their caregivers to manage. In many cases, repeat visitors had received sedatives or other drugs to restrain them when their behavior became disruptive. Families come in with their children who have severe behavioral problems, and the families really just are at their wit's end, you know, said Anna M. Cushing, a pediatric emergency room physician at Children's Hospital in L.A. and one of the authors of the study. Their child's behavior may be a danger to themselves, but also to the parents and to the other children in the home. The findings published in the journal... JAMA Pediatrics analyzed more than 308 wait 308,000 mental health visits at 38 hospitals between 2015 and 2020. Compared with patients presenting with suicidal or self-harming behavior, those with psychotic disorders were 42% more likely to revisit the emergency department within 6 months. The study found Patients with impulse control disorders were 36% more likely, and patients with disorders like autism and ADHD were 22% more likely. Patients who required medications to subdue them were 22% more likely to revisit than patients who did not. The results suggest that researchers should focus more attention on families whose children have cognitive and behavioral problems and who may turn to emergency rooms for respite. Cushing said. I'm not sure we've been spending as much time talking about these agitated and behaviorally dysregulated patients, at least on a national scale, she said. The frequency of visits suggests that the care they receive in emergency rooms is really not adequate. Guidelines recommend that so-called chemical restraints administered by injection or through an intravenous drip be used as a last resort because they can be traumatizing or cause physical injury to the patient. The use of these drugs in pediatric emergency rooms has increased in recent years. Chemicals restraint use increased by 370% between 2009 and 2019, while mental health emergency room visits increased by 268%, according to a study that Foster and her colleagues published last year. The drugs were used more often on black patients as well as on male patients between the ages of 18 and 21. Uh, Then it goes on to say someone could get hurt. A child and adolescent psychiatrist at Boston Medical Center, Dr. Christine Crawford, said caregivers for children with behavioral disorders often turn to emergency rooms when it gets to the point when someone could get hurt. They enter 6th, 7th, 8th grades, and that's when we see those families that have been struggling for a long time, said Crawford, who's also an assistant professor at Boston University School of Medicine. Families in this situation, she said, are quite isolated. 
often hiding their struggles from friends and relatives. Emergency room treatment is comforting to caregivers, but offers little long-term benefit. It's just putting a Band-Aid on the problem, she said. They go back home and they're still waiting for that appointment to meet with a therapist. There's a tendency to sort of watch and wait and deprioritize those kids in terms of who are the most severe. And then they have the tendency to just get worse, she said, adding that public hospitals might be reluctant to accept them as inpatients because they're disruptive. In many ways, these kids are actually harder to treat. I mean, yeah, it's a scary article. And I think that this is, I know I, I, I'm never one to be a fear monger because obviously my mission is to coach parents and to teach parents my nice framework to solve all the strong-willed problems, right? It's, it, it's like we think, oh gosh, this kid is strong-willed. What I help parents to see is that the strong-willedness is actually a symptom and there's something more to figure out. And these kids are displaying this really out-of-control behavior, which may start out small when they're little, like I coached a mom today about her three-year-old who is having a lot of hitting behavior. He's hitting before... He goes to swimming lessons. He hates swimming lessons. I mean, in 10 minutes, I coached her through the swimming lesson scenario, and she completely saw the situation differently and now has an action plan to, to change the result. Swimming lessons, I promise you, after 10 minutes of coaching, swimming lessons are no longer going to be a problem. She just wasn't seeing it clearly. She saw this as her child just hitting all the time. But really, this was a super frustrated child. They live in Michigan. He's freezing cold. Both of his parents work Saturday mornings. He's playing. He's relaxing. It's the weekend. Dad's sleeping in. And now all of a sudden, we're going to drag him to swimming lessons when he's in the middle of playing with all of his toys, not having to rush off to school, and we want to take him out into the cold. He's also a highly sensitive little guy, and he has been to swimming lessons, so he knows getting into that cold water, even when the water is slightly heated, it's still jarring to the system. So he's three. He doesn't know how to say, hey, mom, the way we're doing swimming lessons isn't really working for me. <laughs> right? Like it's hard for me to shift gears and I don't want to go to swimming lessons. If you could just change it up, then you'll set me up for success. You know, if you help me by getting me up, getting me in my bathing suit, putting on clothes, taking me on an errand, like to go get your coffee, and then we can have some nice quality time together. And then we go to swimming lessons and you bring a snack with you and I have some time to acclimate to, you know, get there a little bit early. Maybe I play on the playground a tiny bit and then I go into the swimming lesson and then I have the promise that after swimming lessons, because she, you know, I'm going to do so great. 
we're going to have a little snack and we work, I'm going to get to play on the little play structure at swimming lessons. And you're going to shower me with all kinds of, you know, positive words that you have so much fun with me this morning. And it was so fun to watch me in the pool. And all of a sudden we're going to, we're going to set this little guy up for a whole different swimming lesson experience. All of a sudden that strong willedness, it's done. It's gone. So I have a framework where I help parents to see the situation differently. I translate what this strong-willed behavior means, right? And then we're able to start with something seemingly small, like swimming lessons. But when they get older, right? When they get older and they start to show up with some strong-willed behavior, like we've been doing this since they were three. It's not a new conversation. So it never gets, it doesn't need to escalate to the point, you know? And so to the point of what they're seeing in these ERs, I mean, I firmly believe that. Unfortunately, parents just don't know what they don't know. And mental health professionals in the ERs, like they're not trained in behavioral strategies. They don't know how to help in, you know, so what do we do? Chemical, what did they call it? Like uh, chemical interventions. So that's the only thing we can use. Like we've got a kid now who's an adolescent who's quite often the size of an adult and it's totally out of control. And, And it's never too late. If we didn't start when they were three, you still learn my nice framework and I coach you to help you apply the tools and we figure out what's going on, what you're telling yourself in your head. And and there's a process for how I coach you through it. But now all of a sudden we're able to support these kids differently. And I don't know, it just, it saddens me when we think that it's the kids that are so out of control when it's, the truth is, is that it's our system that's so out of control right? We don't have the right hand talking to the left. The parents and the mental health professionals, all of us working together and learning how to understand that a strong-willed child, right? That is just a symptom of something else that's going on. There's something else to figure out. They want support and they want us to help them problem solve. But if we're telling ourselves that the child's just so difficult or they're always defiant or they never want to listen or they don't, or as if they're choosing that, like if they knew a better way to communicate that there's something going on and they need our help, they would, but they don't know how. So they, they show us through this strong-willed behavior. It's kind of like when a couple gets divorced and you find out there was a cheating scandal, everyone's like, oh, did you hear? She cheated on him or he cheated on her. And if you listen to somebody like Esther Perel, like they'll always tell you the cheating is a symptom. The cheating is not the cause of the divorce. The cheating is a symptom, right? Healthy couples, they're not cheating on each other. So the cheating happened, but there was there was something else at the root underneath the cheating, right? The, the, the relationship was already damaged and there was whatever, whatever else was going on. And that's what I want to say about strong will behavior. It's a symptom. The child wants us to learn a better way 
to support them. That's it. That's it. Hey, podcast listeners, I want to invite you for a powerful parenting party. Yes, a parenting party. I want you to come and join me for Coach Week Live. I'm going to teach you my nice framework live. We're going to weave the learning into your real life scenarios. This is where learning happens on steroids. We're going to transform the lives of as many strong-willed kids as we can in one week. So go to mastermindparenting.com forward slash coach week. The link is in the show notes and I want you to sign up and join me. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, it's my chance to get to know you and you're going to have a powerful week that has the ability to change the life of your child and frankly, your whole family. I cannot wait for you to join me at Coach Week Live. You know, lately I've kind of been, I've I've been thinking more about the fact that, you know, coaching I think is not a term that many people fully understand like, you know, like what is this coaching thing? Just because somebody says they're a coach, like, and there's lots of different ways that a coach works, right? So, uh, so it, it depends how you were trained as a coach, what your style of coaching is. And like my, my hope is that just like how I think life coaching has started to catch on more and more executive coaching, career coaching. Like, um, I have many parents that come and take my programs and many of them have coaches, like, especially when they work for big corporations like oil and gas corporations or big hospital systems, if they're in leadership positions, these big companies if you're in a leadership position, most likely you have an executive coach. So coaching is becoming more, I think, known and not yet in the parenting arena. Like my goal is that one day you're going to go into the pediatrician's office or pe- parents are going to go into their pediatrician's office and they're going to start describing some kind of difficult behavior and the pediatrician is going to have a parenting coach that they recommend. They're going to say, before we go down a whole diagnostic rabbit hole, first start here, go to these people. They might be able to help you. I've seen a lot of success, right? Like let's not put the cart before the horse with the, you know, year-long wait list and the $3,000 for the neuropsych evaluation. Let's just hold off for a sec. Go to these people. Let's see. Let's let let's see what what they can help you figure out. And that hasn't become a thing yet. Right? That hasn't become a thing yet. But, you know, if you think about like would you ever sign your kid up for a soccer team or a basketball team or a baseball team or a gymnastics class and just like drop your kid off and hope that things went well and there was no one in charge like there was no coach there to help like teach them new skills and and help them improve their performance like doesn't that sound crazy and yet here is this thing 
called parenting that pretty much everyone, when they're being really honest, is is hoping to win at parenting, right? Like what, because what does winning at parenting mean? It means I raised a healthy human. Like I have a, a connected family. My kid knows that they always have a place they belong, this family, this home. Like I am raising a kid that knows that they are enough just because they were born and they have self-confidence and self-worth, right? Like I think we can all agree that that's, that's what we want for our kids. We want them to grow up and feel happy and healthy and whole. And that's how I define winning at parenting. So we want to win at parenting. And many of us who listen to podcasts like this or study, read lots of parenting books, you know, many of us have a secret desire to in some way do it even just a little bit differently than the way it was done for us when we were when we were growing up right so we have this desire you know it's very i mean i don't know i i i think if you had like a perfect childhood chances are you're not listening to a parenting podcast. So many of us who listen to things like this and read lots of books, we're cycle breakers. Like we want to do things differently. And how do you know how to do things differently unless you learn new techniques and new strategies? And they're not going to come easily when you're in the heat of the moment, right? So that's where coaching comes in. So you can learn, like I, I, you know, people will send me things like uh, parent, you know, these parenting experts on TikTok and social media who are giving these like bite-sized strategies. You know, when your child won't listen, say this thing, okay? And I'm like, ooh, that's a helpful tip and tool. The problem is when you're in the heat of the moment, where you need to get out the door to go to swimming lessons and it's, you know, a 20 minute lesson and you've got a 20 minute drive. And if you're late, you've just thrown that money out. You know, you just went through this whole rigmarole and you're not going to get there. And you have a kid that is acting like a caged animal hitting people because they don't want to go to swimming lessons. And you're like sweating and it's your Saturday morning, right? It's real hard in that moment when you have a hitting child and you've got all that pressure to say, why don't you try and say that again? Remember in this family, gentle hands, (laughs) what you focus on grows. Instead of no hitting, you say gentle hands. In that moment, it's almost impossible to remember all of these great tips that you hear on social media. So what helps you to know what to do in that heated moment and how to handle it? Well, you got to get coached after you've had one of those moments that went totally sideways where you go back in, you revisit it. You're like, it was a shitstorm. This is the way it played out. How could I have done it differently? And then when you have a coach helping you, you realize what you were thinking in that moment. And then that coach coaches you on how to master your mind and how to plan and how to problem solve and how to look at what we could have done differently so that we can improve upon our plan for next time. And we can remember that instead of thinking our three-year-old, he just doesn't get it. 
right? I just, you know, that's what I coached the mom about today. I don't get it, right? I don't get it. He's three. He's highly sensitive. It's jarring to go in the cold water. He's three. He lives in his present moment. It's Saturday morning. He wants to play with his toys. So he gets up, he's playing with his toys. And then all of a sudden I'm like, now time to put on your bathing suit. Come on, come on, come on, come on. We got to go to swimming lessons and we got dad sleeping in and we all go as a family, but it's stressful and mom and dad have tension because mom's a little annoyed that dad can't get his ass out of bed. And there's like all this mind clutter going on. So when you have a coach that takes you through a framework and then takes your specific scenario and helps you realize what you were thinking in that moment and you dissect it a little bit and you pick it apart so that you can plan for the way you're going to do it differently next time. And you're the way you're going to think about your kid and realize it's not that he doesn't get it. He's just three <laughs> and he's following my lead. And I got to show up with a different level of pack leadership. And you're like, I'm just human. I did it that way because I wasn't thinking about it. And nobody's talking about this stuff. I'm learning. I'm learning new skills. I'm a student right? It's okay, right? You know how much courage it takes to come and raise your hand and say, I need some coaching. My kid's hitting a lot. Will you help me? You know, let's, let, let's improve upon this thing. I mean, it's vulnerable, especially when it comes to parenting. I always say talking about parenting is like talking about sex and money. Everybody just wants to act like they're just getting it so right. All their social media images that make it look like they're hashtag killing it. So yeah, I want, I, I really want this to become more of a mainstream conversation. Like healthy humans who want to achieve super health and want to learn how to healthy human even better and raise healthy humans, they, they get coached, right? Coaching is not for people who have a lot of unresolved trauma, who have mental health issues where they really need to be under the guidance of a doctor. Coaching is for regular people. And the other cool thing I think a lot of people don't understand about coaching is, well, when it's done the way, you know, the way I was trained and the way coaches like me do, it's fun. You know, it's fun. There's playfulness. We're laughing at ourselves. We're problem solving. It doesn't need to be so fucking serious all the time. We can have, guess what? Guess when learning is most effective, when we're learning new things, when we can learn a concept, when we can apply the concept to our specific scenario so it becomes super relevant, and when there's some playfulness involved, because all humans love to have fun, love to learning. It's like our kids in a classroom. It's like night and day difference when I hear my kids talk about a teacher that has some showmanship and knows how to be super engaging and makes the concepts interesting and tells cool stories. Like all of a sudden, the learning just became fun. It's so much more powerful. So I know that that article I read sounds fear-inducing and super scary. And what I want to say to you guys is that is not going to be the way it turns out 
for your family. And as many of us who can be here having these types of conversations, having the courage to raise our hands, to get coached, to come to things like right now, I have my Coach Week Live going on, coming to cool experiences like that. What is this coaching thing? What's that all about? Let me check it out. I've been listening to Randy's podcast. Let me come and see what she got going there, right? You know, coming to these experiences and and being willing to get coached or to even be a fly on the wall and learn through someone else getting coached quite often. I mean, I've experienced this in my own life. I can learn so much from from just being a fly on the wall of someone else getting coached when I'm in a coaching membership community because I love being a student. I'm obsessed with learning. So not only do I love coaching and teaching, I also love being you know, a coaching participant. It's fun. It's fun. So that's what I've got for you this week. If you've never experienced coaching, I hope this opened you up to the possibility and it's not too late. If you want to come and join us for Coach Week Live, please sign up. Go to mastermindparenting.com forward slash coachweek, mastermindparenting.com forward slash coachweek. It's $29, which the only reason we're charging $29 is because it just people value it more if you pay a little something. If that's an issue for you, if the $29 is an issue, please send me a DM on social media. If you follow me on social media, you can send us an email info at mastermindparenting.com and let us know that um, you'd love to attend, but you just can't swing the $29 and we will give you a scholarship. We want this to be available to everyone. So I hope to see you there and I hope you have a great week. Bye for now. Thanks for listening today, guys. I hope you picked up some tips, tools, maybe some baby steps for creating more balance and boundaries in your life. And I just wanted to let you know, if you want to continue moving the needle forward in creating this for yourself, having a happier household, I want you to go to my website and check out mastermindparenting.com. We have three beginning programs. And if you need some accountability and more support, then please look for the one that would be a good fit for you. Um, And as always, we're on all the social channels under Mastermind Parenting. On Instagram, it's Mastermind underscore Parenting. Um, And, you know, periodically I do pop up on different Instagram lives, Facebook lives, where I give you teaching and coaching. And I love engaging with you live to help you help your strong-willed kids so that they can feel better because when they feel better, they do better. And um, I love, love, love getting to know you guys. So thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Super, super appreciative.